Hello and welcome to Hysteria. I'm Erin Ryan. And I'm Alyssa Mastromonaco. Alyssa, you've heard of Girl Dinner, right? Girl Dinner? Yeah. Oh my god. Oh yes, I have. I have, I have. It's the it's the little plate with like some nuts and some cheese and a little bit of charcuterie. What's in your girl dinner? My girl dinner would be like peanut butter on saltines with some jam. <laughs> That's not too bad. Mine's like a tub of pickles and three, pi- three pieces of string cheese and uh, some tortilla chips. That's okay. it. Oh, you know what? I would like a little uh, some tortilla chips with a little bit of guacamole. That would be nice, too. Then, I mean, if you've got it in the fridge. This is, these but are things honestly, that are tub, I need them tub that's ready. That's like not a dinner for me. If, if I don't have something hot... It's like it's like you know what that feels like? It feels hmm. like a fucking picnic. It it's like it feels like you're sitting down and you're having a picnic, which well, I me, cannot abide. That's not dinner. Okay, well me and my tub of cottage cheese beg to differ. <laughs> Fuck a picnic. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously. Fuck your picnic. This week we're joined by Juanita Tolliver to take on the following questions. Why can't Republicans resist trying to force unpopular abortion bans on people who don't want them? What's the point of a third party without a platform or a cohesive set of beliefs? Is Barbie a feminist, a menace, or a little bit of both? And when it comes to invasive moth caterpillars, is a blowtorch the answer? All this and more right now. All right, this is Hysteria, the podcast for women's soccer fans. Alyssa, I am seeing Mm. a silver lining to the double strike that's happening in Hollywood right now. Tell me. Okay, well, besides the silver lining of everybody picking up pitchforks and torches and marching to Bob Iger's house and burning it down like Ron Perlman suggested. No, don't really burn down Bob Iger's house. Did you see that video of him? I did. Honestly, Ron Perlman is like Uh, on it. He's he's Oof. Every day I'm like, let's let me see. And you know the weird thing? I literally search for him every day and he's still not top of my algorithm when I open it up. So like do better, Meta. <laughs> I know. Seriously. Uh, one of the best things about threads is the threats, if you will. Yes. Um, yep. OK, so the silver lining, in addition to mm-hmm. the, the labor organizations getting a fairer deal f- for their workers, which is what we all hope happens at the end of all of this. There's going to be a real entertainment desert starting in a couple mm-hmm. months. I know Netflix says they have all these shows like, you know, kind of. They that. have international formats. Yeah, stockpiles. yeah. But, okay, here's the thing. Most Netflix shows suck, okay? So I think it's only fair to assume that most of the shows that they've got in their pocket that are like, yeah, whatever, we can do this for years. I'm assuming that most of those shows suck too. Like, it's not like, ooh, yeah, I'm going to spend days binging things on Netflix. I'm absolutely not. I will watch one show and be like, ugh, what am I doing? And then get off of it. Um, But I think that in the desert of entertainment, because they're not doing a lot of reality TV either because people are kind of tired of it, women's sports, this is a golden opportunity for women's sports to actually be given the space on different channels that it deserves be and and, yep. it, and it sucks that it's because well what else is going on but you know the- hey Aaron if this era if this period of time in this place in history gives rise to everybody fucking understanding how exciting women's sports are in the same way that what the last big strike kind of helped goose reality television mm-hmm. let it be 
Yeah. I prefer this much, much more to reality TV. Yeah. Oh, I will take I will take Angel City FC over The Apprentice any day. Any day. Any <laughs> day. No, and, and and with that being said, the Women's World Cup is starting this week. We're yep. super excited. It's, I would say, friend of the Crooked Network, Megan Rapino. We can call her friend of the Crooked Network. Absolutely. She's got her own Lego now, too. Yeah. Well, Megan Rapino's last World Cup, and that's sad, but we did get that. And I hate being like, ooh, look at this new commercial because that's what, you know, ad makers want you to do. But there is a new Nike commercial featuring yeah, it's cool. Megan Rapino as like an 80s cartoon. Ugh, it's so cool. Anyway, Megan Rapino des- deserves. To win everything and, and have all the accolades and, and a great final victory lap for an incredible career. And uh, because the, the Cup is in Australia, games are going to be on at weird times. Yeah. But soccer fans, in my experience, are psychotically devoted. Tenacious? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. They are tenacious. They, were, they will wake up for World Cup games that happen at one in the morning if they're big enough games. So You know what I thought was incredible? I was in the car yesterday and all the Sirius XM ads were uh, how to tune into uh, the World Cup. And so I was I was like, all right, good. I can even listen on the radio. Yeah. Making it easy for everybody. How are you going to watch, Alyssa? Do you have a place in your in your area that shows the game? Honestly, games? honestly, I do like listening to sports on the radio in the car. <laughs> I do, too. There's something. It's like old timey or some there's something about it that is like kind of exciting. Mm-hmm. And so I uh, I will probably listen to a good portion in the car because I think also they're replaying it during like normal hours. Yeah, yeah. I would say, though, that soccer, out of all of the sports, a.k.a. the beautiful game, is maybe the least uh, suited to be played. Yeah. As- oh, definitely. <laughs> I mean, definitely. you could hear someone describe, like, a, a bicycle kick, but you can't, or a tricycle kick, but you can't, like, it, it's better to kind of see it. But, you know. Speaking of sports, did you see that uh, someone took a selfie and, like, derailed the entire Tour de France? No. Why people look at concerts and sporting things. Please put your phone where it's supposed to be behind whatever line you are standing behind. Yeah. Like stop throwing things at at concert at at performers and stop stepping out into the road to take a selfie and hurting people. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Yeah. It it does seem like this is a whole other conversation. But and I would love to get into it at another time because, yes, that it was. we know Just you were. At, we know you were at the concert. You don't need to take a video of the concert. Use your eye, eye cameras, and your brain Instagram. Stop centering yourself in someone else's event. To have no, also just like use your own. <laughs> you're, you're, you have the best technology ever invented to capture images, and it's the human eyeball. The human eyeball yeah. is so much better at it than any photography equipment that exists. So use yes. your human eyeballs and your thinking head to look. And store, I don't know. Maybe that makes me a Luddite. I don't know. Okay, uh, so let's let's get into news this week that is a you know important to pay attention to. A lot of people are talking about another Trump indictment possibly coming Beth. down the pike. That's important, but I think in terms of the way that it impacts the lived reality of people from day to day. I think that there are other things that impact more people in an immediate way. And so that's why we're going to kick off by talking a little bit about abortion. So the news is kind of... Who, us? Yeah, I know. Us talking about abortion? Okay for you. If you can believe it. The news is kind of running the gamut this week. Uh, So first, let's, let's get the bad stuff out of the way. 
19 Republican attorneys general. I hate that I'm that I'm plural. It's pluralizing that correctly. I mean, you don't say Whoppers Jr., do you? No, but oh my goodness, should we be? Yes. (laughs) Yes, we should. Whoppers Jr. Attorneys General, uh, 19 Republican Whoppers Jr. want medical professionals (laughs) to be allowed to report patients' abortions to law enforcement for investigation. This is what we said would happen, and everyone was like, yep. you're being hysterical. God, I'm still mad about that. I'm going to stay mad about that until I die. It's going to be—my last words are like, I wasn't being fucking hysterical. God. Um, Biden administration proposed changes to medical privacy laws in April to ban this from happening. So on one hand, Democratic AGs felt like the changes didn't go far enough to protect pregnant people from criminalization, which— even happens in blue states without abortion bans, as we, mm. as we know, it happened before the Dobbs ruling too. And a lot of times, the people that had their miscarriages or abortions criminalized were disenfranchised and marginalized groups. On the other, these GOP AGs said, uh, "We don't want to protect them in any way whatsoever," and they use the infamous Dobbs decision to back themselves up and claim that the Biden administration was also making these privacy law shifts to help people seeking gender affirming care, which. I'm going to need the Carfax on that. Show me the receipt. (laughs) Uh, In some better news, an Iowa judge blocked a conservative heartbeat abortion bill from taking effect in the state. I hate that they're using the word heartbeat for this because it is not a heart. It is like a flicker of cardiac activity. That's like saying a lighter is a forest fighter. Totally different things. Um, So abortion for people who live in Iowa is still legal for up to 20 weeks into pregnancy. Iowa's Governor Kim Reynolds has signed the bill, the six-week ban, uh, at the Family Leadership Summit, a political and evangelical event held in the state. Reynolds said she'll keep fighting this all the way to the Iowa Supreme Court, although the last time she did that in 2018, she failed. So Mm. keep fighting this losing battle, honey. And friendly reminder— We got a lot of uh, response from listeners in Ohio. Mm -hmm. Shout out to the people with the tenacity to remain in Ohio. (laughs) You're made of stronger stuff than me. Friendly reminder that Ohio has a special election on August 8th for issue one, where voters will decide whether or not they want to make it more difficult to amend Ohio's constitution. So this was put on the ballot deliberately to interfere with citizens of Ohio's attempts to enshrine a right to abortion in the state constitution. So uh, I have heard that early voting has already started in Ohio and that the numbers are off the charts. Yes. Off we love the to charts. see it. Early and mail-in voting has already started in Ohio. Uh, it really is looking as though issue one will fail, and that is extremely important. Uh, and then the next step after that is getting around that wingnut legislature <laughs> and enshrining a right to abortion in the state constitution. Ohio, I believe in you. I, I know you guys are killing it. Keep keep going. You're, you're doing great. Um, so, Alyssa, what do you make of all this uh, abortion news? Aaron, here is my ever, never-ending issue. Okay. So all these 19 AGs led by Lynn Finch of Mississippi. Lynn Your state's got a lot of problems, and I feel like you're not addressing the ones that really matter. Like, she's leading this national charge to get this HIPAA loophole, uh, you know, enshrined, right, so that they can keep going after people, even across state lines, to try to get uh, records to, to identify whether someone's had an abortion. Clean water in Mississippi? Oh, yeah. Maternal mortality rates in Mississippi? Girl. 
focus on some real shit. I mean, this is just, I think, kind of what's plaguing the entire country right now. Like, focus on your shit. If you're so hopped up on states' rights, as they all are, then, like, fix your state. Make your state cooler. Make your state healthier. Make your state cleaner. Don't make your state scarier, which Mm -hmm. is all they're doing. That's all they're doing. Another thing is, Democrats know this. We know this at this point. Abortion rights are a winning issue. Bodily autonomy is a winning issue because even people who consider themselves fiscally conservative have a hard time with the government getting in between you and your doctor and you and your own fucking body. It is a winning issue. And Republicans cannot help themselves. They They cannot resist. And it's not like, oh, we don't know if it's going to be able to, oh, oh, maybe it'll get Republicans out to vote. No, it doesn't. It gets Democrats out to vote. And even if it did get Republicans out to vote, there are not enough of them to overcome the massive public opinion in favor of giving people a right to access safe abortion privately. And so it's like, Guys, I mean, they they just can't help it. It's like um, that, you know, that Simpsons episode where Sideshow Bob keeps stepping on the rakes. <laughs> yes. Over and over and over again. They can't, they cannot help doing it. So, I mean, you know, keep keep going, guys. The, I, I don't see this ending well for them. No. And you know the thing, the other thing, too, especially about Iowa, while I am super stoked that the Polk County judge temporarily blocked the abortion ban— Like when we think about you and I are, as discussed earlier in this episode, terminally online. Mm -hmm. We're online all the time. We're reading every version of every story that comes out. And like the average person does not have the desire or luxury of time to be able to do that. And so while it is wonderful that the judge has blocked this, it's like how can people in these states where abortion is like a pickleball match at this point keep up with what is legal and what their rights are? It is mm-hmm. so – it is like – it's like if you're in Iowa, do you, do you fucking know that you can still go have an abortion? Right. Like, did, the, did the judge blocking the uh, – did the judge blocking the law trump in the news or get as much coverage – as the governor signing it at that evangelical event, mm-hmm. uh, which was a nationally televised event. And so it's really like, it's just, it's so hard and so confusing. And that's why we have to keep talking about it every week because it's, maybe it's also medical providers. Say. Medical providers yeah. are confused and they are very afraid of getting sued and very afraid of having their license taken away. <laughs> I mean, yeah. And so even if it is legal temporarily, it might be difficult for patients to find that care because medical providers are like, nah, we're still going to not do right. it. Right. You know, and it's not really something that they can not do. And then you can be like, well, I'm going to sue you. It's like time is of the essence. You know, you're pregnant right. now. You're not getting any less pregnant. Um, exactly. And so it, you don't really have any recourse if you're a pregnant woman and you're seeking abortion care and you get denied it. Uh, unjustly. You can't, it, it, you're, you're kind of SOL. I did want to flag one more thing. This isn't in the outline, but um, I got a uh, email from the Center for Reproductive Rights because I've, I subscribe to their emails as everyone Same. should. Um, the court, a court in Texas 
is uh, going to hear arguments over the next couple of days in Zorowski versus the state of Texas, which is the lawsuit that we've talked about on the show where women who are denied abortions despite serious pregnancy complications that were life and health threatening and fertility threatening. Um, this is the lawsuit brought by them. There are 15 plaintiffs. They're all super brave and incredible. So stay tuned. When it comes to mm -hmm. that case, um, that case, I think we're going to see a lot of those brave women and the doctors yeah. and the plaintiffs, and, and that case is going to be around for a while. So we're we're flagging that, keeping an eye on that. Um, okay, what else do we have to talk about today? Oh, your favorite Aaron. political party. <laughs> They're not a political party. <laughs> They're some kind of they party. They are a group that takes dark money. <laughs> okay, Erin, unfortunately... No labels making moves to be a third party. They might be joining the 2024 election, which might make it even harder for a progressive to win in 2024. Centrist group No Labels hosted a town hall earlier this week announcing that if the upcoming election becomes another Trump versus Biden showdown, they'll jump into the election with a third party and quote unquote bipartisan ticket. A third party would likely just create division among Democrats and make it easier for Trump to win. Republican, Aaron. Are we sure? Are we sure about that? Aaron, are we sure? I mean, that Joe Manchin headlined the No Labels town hall, making it seem that he very well might go up against Biden on a third party ticket in 2024. You want to know why? Because he doesn't want to run for re-election re in West Virginia. One. Two, West Virginia, Joe Biden is a moderate, okay. Aaron. He is a moderate. West Virginia popularity is not portable. West Virginia is one of America's weirdest states. Demographically, yeah. economically, it is culturally, it is a weird place. And I think people who live there would agree. It is the whitest state in America, first of all. Uh, yeah. it, is, it is massively economically depressed. There are tons of unaddressed problems regarding public health. Um... And it's very culturally kind of their pockets of real isolation and outlier. Uh, it's an outlier. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if but Gavin, like, if if people are like, I don't know if Gavin Newsom could possibly run for president. Joe Manchin is West Virginia popular. Gavin yeah. Newsom is California popular. And, and Aaron, Gavin Newsom is ten times more popular in California than Joe Manchin is in West Virginia. <laughs> Oh, so Alyssa, you think that this is just a, a group to raise dark money. They should be called no, princ Aaron, no principles. Here, I have so many problems with everything that's happening. Okay, how many fundraising emails do you get any given week? Too fucking many. I'm just going to guess it's too fucking many. I've been, right. I text stop a lot. I'm going to say that. I do too. But here is the problem. We now have a group, no labels, its goal is to raise $70 million because they are not a national political party. They do not have to disclose where they get this money from. So we don't know who's funding No Labels. That's number one. Number two, in response to No Labels, we now have a group called Citizens to Save Our Republic, which is helmed by Dick Gephardt and Majority Leader Steny Hoyer to combat No Labels. So am I, do I a applaud Dick Gephardt for stepping in and trying to kick no labels in the face. I do. However, another group raising more money that's not going directly to candidates, at least as far as we know. These things 
All not great. Here's another thing not great. Cornell West. Cornell West is uh, going to probably be the Green Party. He's going to be the Green Party ticket person, nominee, whatever. Love Cornell. Cornell's smart as fuck. Could listen to Cornell all day. Aaron, none of these things are good things for Democrats. Mm -hmm. None of them. None of them. On top of that, the places that No Labels has made the most progress in being um, being acknowledged as a political party, hold on for a sec. Alaska, Oregon, Colorado, Arizona, North Carolina. Aaron, why aren't they why aren't they down in Mississippi? Why aren't they trying to make headway in Mississippi? Why not Texas? Why not Texas? Where are they? Why are they hitting states that are going to hurt Democrats the most? Mm-hmm. Um, Nancy Jacobson and Mark Penn. I mean, look, these are people who are making money and getting rich off of this lark. And it's just fucking bullshit. There are too many people doing real work. Uh, to have these people just come in on this, like, I don't know, fucking vanity campaign, it is bullshit. It makes me so mad. You know, it's like they are taking money from people who they'll, t- they'll take money from anybody. It's not just like massive donors. And like, what are we supposed to do here? I mean, it's not helpful. I feel like they gave themselves a name. We can make some funny alt names up for them and call them that instead of no labels. We, no scruples. We can call them no paper trail. No, pr- no paper trail. It's no a good one. No principles. We can call them no candidates because they don't have any no candidates, candidates yet. Uh, no morals. We can call them no platform. Because <laughs> their platform is lame. <laughs> it's just everybody get along. No, I don't want to get along with people that Everyone, don't care no, if do you I know die. What it is? It's like their platform is like there was an episode of Veep where Selena Meyer was trying to figure out how to maneuver uh, her position on abortion. And it's a satire. So mm-hmm. it was very funny. But it is exactly how they are how they are trying to thread the needle on all their issues. They're like, well, there are two sides to the to the abortion story. And we're just going to bring them closer to yeah, the can middle. You just have, what does that mean? What if you're forced to have half a baby? How about that? Right. And then who's going to take care of half the baby? Well, have you? No labels. Let us know when you've got an answer to that one. <sighs> oh, man. Yeah. I just also, sorry, no labels. You couldn't find a woman. Couldn't find a person of color. Having a no labels moderate uh, group. <laughs> no melanin. Only white dudes. <laughs> no melanin. That's another. Uh, yeah. That's uh, <laughs> right. No melanin. No. No yep. boobs. No yep. nothing. No anything. Yeah. Yeah. That seems. It seems like a real grift. And uh, Mark Penn. The grift and, of the century. And Mark Penn is such a swamp creature. I mean, I hate to I hate to like buy into the drain the swamp thing, but there are people who are sort of like these career Washington money raisers who yeah. who never ever are impacted by any of the debates or issues that yeah. are really hurting a lot of people and they th- see it as a game and they're super gross and obnoxious and uh, he's he's really the pl- platonic ideal of that, I think. Um Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, also, you know, there is a the going theory that he just is mad at Hillary Clinton for not including him <laughs> more. <laughs> Honestly, go get therapy, dude. Yeah. Don't take it out on the rest of the country. <laughs> Men will literally tank a political election instead of going to therapy. Because they got their feelings hurt. Um, okay. Uh, I want to talk about something. Speaking of swamp creatures. Speaking of, yeah, seriously. Um, 
So after a decade-long investigation into multiple murders believed to have been carried out by a serial killer on Long Island, a suspect was arrested on Friday. The police arrested Rex Hewerman, who is 59, and uh, he's an architect from Manhattan. He was charged mm. with first-degree and second-degree murder in the deaths of Amber Lynn Costello, Megan Waterman, and Melissa Bartholomew. Um, he's also considered the prime suspect in the death of Maureen Brainerd Barnes, who disappeared in 2007. So... The reason I'm bringing this up is because uh, this case was real true, like, quote unquote, true mm-hmm. crime fodder. Um, it was uh, the subject of a documentary, I think, that was on Netflix. Do you remember like 20, maybe like 10 years ago, early streaming? It, yeah. Yeah, eight or nine years ago. Um, there was this big documentary about how it was unsolved. Um, it beca- it's been the subject of movies. Uh, part of the reason is because the case was first discovered, the existence of the of a possible serial killer was discovered because a uh, a woman named Shannon Gilbert, uh, who was a 23-year-old aspiring singer, vanished on May 1st, 2010. And prior to her death, she made a 23-minute 911 call where she wandered around confused and disoriented in the Oak Beach neighborhood on Long Island, uh, where she earlier had an escort appointment. And she was begging for help. She was saying people were after her and she was in danger. Her body was eventually discovered in December 2011 in a marsh near Oak Beach. And, you know, investigators haven't linked her death to the other four victims. But in looking for her, they discovered these four bodies on Mm -hmm. uh, Gilgo Beach. And that was uh, kind of what kicked off this oh shit investigation. It's it's all really awful. These women were all parts of marginalized groups. Most of them were working part time as escorts. Although that's not you know you can't ever reduce somebody to no. They were they were people. They were daughters. You know, mothers, parents, sisters, they were friends. Exactly. Artists. Exactly. And it's it's really really sad. I want to say that this is, you know, in the investigation, since they've they've captured him, they've uncovered all of these things that indicate something that we have talked about are, you know, is mm-hmm. a larger theme in the U.S. culturally. And that is the tie between an affinity for guns and misogyny and violence against women and a feeling of entitlement. I, how many guns did they, they discover in his house? Three Hundred guns, Aaron, and ninety-two. This is perhaps the more fucked up part. Ninety-two gun permits, Aaron. How does that happen? <laughs> how do you end up honestly with ninety-two gun permits? Yeah, a, mis- like, a misplaced comma in the Second Amendment of the U.S. Constitution. I guess that's how <laughs> you end up here. I mean, he he was he was clearly a monster, and and like. Yeah. Oh man, such red flags. He also he had like I a, mean, a lair in his basement, right? Yes. It was yes. okay. There's a thin line between a, a man cave and a full-on murder lair, huh? Like there murder is- lair, three hundred guns, like three hundred. Aaron, do you have three hundred of fucking anything? I don't. I don't have three hundred of anything. We don't even have three hundred episodes. And we've no, been doing this soon, show for soon. Fun. Soon. We'll get there. Drag my carcass across that finish line. We will get there. And and you know what, Aaron, though, to your point about these like like what is what is what is wrong with Rex? And also, do you know I was watching as they were, you know, bringing him into the into the police station. Uh one of the uh, reporters on television said that he was overheard asking if he was on the news yet. 
Yeah, okay, so this is something uniquely American, right? We've got this— Jesus Christ. We've got this, like, true crime obsession, and we've got super easy access to guns and a culture that encourages uh, and perpetuates misogyny. And I think if you get the wrong kind of monster, you know, the exact right cocktail of monster, it is a a perfect recipe for somebody who— wants to hurt women, own a lot of guns, yeah. and get a lot of attention. If you want to do that, America's a great place for you. Land of opportunity. Land of opportunity if you want to prey on marginalized people. It's really, truly an upsetting case. And, you know, it, it's something that I, it, it sort of was like, I remember when I first heard about it, it was like a, I was living in New York City and I wasn't, you know, I wasn't ever working as an escort, but I was like running around being an idiot a lot. And right. th- there is a part of me that's like, you know, what's the difference between times that I've been, I put myself in positions, you know, everybody puts themselves in positions sometimes where they're not exactly the safest, you know, and it was sort oh, of this my like, God. it was this like kind of spooky story where it was like, there are people like that just kind of walking around in the world and you don't mm-hmm. know who they are until they're caught with a giant murder lair in their basement. And it's, right. it's so scary. Um, I will also say he looks a little bit like Tucker Carlson. Oh, my God. He looks like the Thanksgiving Day Parade balloon version, version of Tucker, of Tucker Carlson. Carlson. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Tucker better hope that that Twitter thing he's got going on doesn't make him so famous that he becomes a, a Thanksgiving balloon because people are like, that's very tasteless. Oh, that's right. That they've got the, like that's... the Long Island serial killer as a Thanksgiving Day. Gone uh, too far. It's it's too far. It's not funny. Too soon. Um, I, there is something about his mugshot and, you know, I, I find myself kind of drawn to this just because morbid curiosity. And I think that women are programmed to try to, like, look out for ways to survive because, you know, yeah, we're, we're smaller in most cases than men and mm-hmm. not as physically strong in most cases than men. And we have fewer guns usually than the craziest men. Um, and I'm looking at his face and he has, like, a blankness to it that I can't. Yes, totally. Like, there are other mug shots where there's, like, a you can kind of see that that's a person, you know, and his face no. just looks like a mask on nothing. Totally. And it was It's like one dimensional or something. Yeah. Too. There's something and I think that's a quality that I've seen in in other faces of like famous monsters in in the US yeah. specifically. So, uh here's hoping that the families of his victims, his alleged victims um are able to get the peace that comes from from him being apprehended. And I hope that the kind of attention he gets humiliates him and in not the kind of way that he wants to be humiliated. I hope I hope he lives out the rest of his life in a state of abject humiliation and, and shame. He's I agree. Monster. Okay, we're gonna take a quick break. When we come back, we've got a conversation about a film and a moment that has been a long time coming. And welcome back. You're listening to Hysteria, the podcast for people who would rather cut their Barbie's hair than waste a birthday present on a Ken. Ooh, yeah. 100%. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I would rather just get a Barbie and then use one of my like lower class, lower tier Barbies, cut her hair, yes. turn her into a Ken. Uh, let's, uh, on that note, I want to round out the panel 
first. Our panelist today is a host of Crooked's What A Day podcast and MSNBC political analyst and an opinion writer for The Grio. She's here to talk about Barbie because she would risk it all for a chance to live in the Barbie dream house. (laughs) (laughs) That's not wrong. (laughs) Juanita Tolliver, welcome to Hysteria. Thanks for having me again. I guess y'all like me. I'm doing my second uh-huh. show with y'all. Oh, uh, it's a vibe. It's a vibe. It's 100%. I knew from the moment I did What A Day With You. I was like, yep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We're 100%. doing this. We're doing this. Um, so we've been talking about having you on this episode for a very long time. Um, yes. I don't want to speak for everybody here. When I confess the first time I heard the news that Greta Gerwig was directing a movie about Barbie, as in the toy, that I was like, hmm. Yeah. Who is, who is this what for? What are we doing? Who is yeah. this What's for? What's it about? Yeah. What's uh, it about? Do we need this? <laughs> but then I thought about it, and you know, men have so many movies about their mm. goddamn toys from when they were little kids. They've got oh G.I. Joe movies. They've got Spider-Man movies. They've Transformers. Got, they've got Transformers. Transformers. They've got Battleship movies. They've yes. got multiple yeah. Jumanji movies. Multiple Jumanji movies. Like, yeah. you know, we need, we should get a adult version of a movie that's about something we used to play with when we were little girls or, you know, little femmes, whatever. If you played little with people, little, little people who enjoyed playing with dolls. So, you know, it's our turn. It's our turn for a movie about toys. And the first time I started thinking, wait, is this movie actually going to, like, whip ass, uh, was when shots from the film started hitting social media last summer. Do you guys remember that? I feel like I had the opposite reaction. I was like, ah, what is this? <laughs> What's happening? Same. Same. Juanita, I was like, oh, this is definitely not going to be for me. But they, I became overly excited when they dropped the teaser where the indigo girls are participating in this whole yeah. thing and closer to fine is on the soundtrack. And I was like, hold up. This might be for me. <laughs> there might be something here. And then there's a Birkenstock. I was like, oh, this is definitely for me. Um, well, I for me, I immediately was like, yes. It like it it was like the I think it was like the design of their rollerblades when they were doing the scene oh. where they were rolling oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. on the Venice yep, Beach yep. boardwalk. I was it tapped into this like vein in my like nostalgic memory where I was like, I want that outfit. I want those rollerblades. I want that life. And Margot Robbie and Ryan Gosling looked perfect. Margot Robbie was like, she, she did not have to go that hard, you know, and and she did. And as the film's release date has approached, I mean, you guys, you were a little bit more difficult to win over. I was like, holy (laughs) shit. The marketing on this film cannot miss. Oh, nope. It, oh. it was it's so good. And it somehow managed to take Barbie from this kind of like chuggy relic of like the late 21st century and, and uh, turn her into this or the 20th century, like the, the last 30 years of the 20th century and turn her into this like fresh pop culture icon. Like yes. suddenly she was cool again. It's like Shania Twain getting cool. Barbie's cool. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so. Now the film's release is imminent. You know, the studio and um, and distributors have been pretty tight about, like, you know, reviews are starting to come out. But mm-hmm. before this, they've been pre- keeping a pretty tight lid on it, you know, so not we haven't seen it yet. So we're, instead of talking about the film, we're going to talk about what Barbie the doll has meant to us and whether or not she has a place in current 
culture, Juanita. Do you remember your first Barbie? Tell me about your first Barbie. Oh, gosh. I feel like my first Barbie came with a lot of accessories. My first Barbie (laughs) was definitely, you know, a black Barbie because my parents wouldn't have it any other way. But um, I had the Barbie dream house, the Barbie dream boat, the Barbie jacuzzi with the pump on the side. Yep, yep, yes. Had that, had that. (laughs) And I feel like, it seamlessly entered my life because I'm one of four girls. So my older sister had Barbie before me. My younger sisters had even better Barbie toys. One had the Barbie Jeep that she would drive around (gasps) like as a toddler. So she had an up comeuppance, an upgrade. (laughs) Um, And the Barbie dreamboat that made milkshakes. So we throughout me and my sisters, we had a full set. And you know what we would do? We would play this game called Doctors, Dentist, and Babysitter, which I I feel like represents a couple of things. One, the levels of different career paths we could have. (laughs) The change of an outfit, right? Like I could go from (laughs) surgeon to dentist to babysitter, whatever. Um, But also it was just like possibility. Like I just appreciated that in terms of my imagination with like playing with this doll, with my sisters, taking up a ridiculous amount of space in the garage with all of our Barbie toys and accessories. Like it was just a vibe. It was a it was a reality shifting thing for us growing up in Memphis, Tennessee, where, you know, there were some pretty explicit gender norms communicated to us day in and day out. Um, but Barbie kind of opened that up for us through doctors, dentists and babysitter. <laughs> <laughs> um, Alyssa, do you have similarly warm memories of your first Barbie? Oh, yes. And like, remember, so I'm kind of like more of a pioneer here because I'm like eight, Mm. 10 years older than you guys. (laughs) So my favorite Barbie was Peaches and Cream Barbie. I remember that one. She came with a ball gown. Here was the thing. I was never like a girly girl. I was always a little bit more of a tomboy. So to me, it was like, Barbie, I don't know, Barbie, I was just like, what are these clothes about? What are high heels? (laughs) But mostly, I loved doing their hair. And once Mm. my sister came into the picture, uh, she's four years younger than me. Hi, Moosey. Uh, She knows this. But like I used to tell my mom to get her Barbies and I would get her Barbies for her birthday and Christmas just so then I could cut their hair. (laughs) Oh, the plan. (laughs) Oh, I mean, it was like and and we had like these very we had these Hello Kitty scissors that couldn't do much damage except to a Barbie's hair. (laughs) And so to me, it was just like, but we had the Barbie pool. We had the Barbie pool, mm, the Barbie jacuzzi yes. that you could make the bubbles with. Yes. But I mean, to me, it was just like the best time. Like I loved, I couldn't have enough Barbie outfits. The shoes always ended up in the vacuum cleaner. Like those shoes <laughs> withstood 100%. nothing. Or they the were, dog's mouth. <laughs> yeah, that was like, that was, that was gone. But the, but or I just, did anybody oh my, get a Barbie shoe stuck in their nostril? Nostrils. No, no of, Aaron. I that, think you're alone that on that, friend. I didn't. What? I didn't. But I had okay. I had to pull one out of my sister's nostril one time. She was a little bit more of the chaos, the chaos Muppet in our family. Yeah, um, I love that. Yeah. But no, the shoes did get everywhere. Alyssa, continue. Sorry. No, that was it. That was it. I just I loved to this day. It's like I love watching you know, red carpets, even though the thought of ever being on a red carpet gives me diarrhea. You know what I mean? Like it is, but it all started with Barbie. It all started with Barbie. She, she I gets love... anxiety induced irritable bowel syndrome. Y'all. That's what I'm saying. 
Um, okay, so I remember my first Barbie was a moment of conflict in my family. And that's mm. because I didn't I didn't have any awareness of like what kind of parent my mom was trying to be to me compared to other parents until this moment. So my grandparents bought me a Barbie. At, oh. abo- over my mom's wishes. My mom oh. did not want me to have a Barbie until I was five because she was like trying to like have me have good, you know, body image or whatever. But like, I don't know. At no point in my childhood did I look at a Barbie and say, why don't I have huge boobs that stick straight out? Okay, but actually I did. So like, oh, you we did? can get into that in a little while. We can get into that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll totally get into it because I think that's like one of the main issues. My mom didn't want that for me because it did happen for yeah. a lot of little girls, but it didn't happen to me. So my grandparents got me this like, very simple Barbie. You know how like there were the different size boxes they would come in, you know, like yeah. the very skinny like box. The double wide. That was know? I remember it being like $5.99 at the bed Ben Franklin in my town, the like ones in the skinny boxes, and then the bigger ones were like $15.99. Um yeah. but the but it was like a skinny box Barbie. She wasn't wearing a, like an elaborate outfit or anything like that. It was just a plain blonde Barbie. And uh, my grandparents gave her to me and my mom took it and put it up. And she was like, you can't have this till you're five. And I was like, <laughs> respect. Yeah. And and now as a parent, I'm like, I would be furious if there was a thing uh, that I had yeah. told the grandparents that my kid can't have and they did it anyway. I would be like so mad. But it was my mom's parents. And she was kind of just like, <laughs> OK. Um, but yeah, I remember. And then, you know, once I turned five, my sister was born when I was like five and a half. And my sister was immediately on Barbies. She And she got so much more than I had because she was the baby <laughs> of the family. But, I was saying I'm getting some sibling energy here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> OK, one time for my birthday. I love my sister dearly. She's like, we, we don't we've never had like a like a fight that has caused a rift. You know, we've never had like sibling drama to the extent that most other sets of girl siblings have. Um, But I do remember still, I had a birthday and I really wanted a happy birthday Barbie. And my grandparents showed up and that was my birthday present. But my sister was like two at the time and she started crying and then they went to their car and they also bought her a happy birthday Barbie. Yeah. What? Yeah. My feelings no, are hurt ma'am. for you. Yeah. No, ma'am. My sister, fun, interestingly enough, so we grew up in a town that was like very white, rural Wisconsin, right? But my sister loved black dolls. She only wanted mm. like black Barbie dolls. So she I'm got. I'm not mad. Come yeah. on. <laughs> she, she had black baby dolls, black Barbies. She, um, she just like all of her, bar- she had like all of her Barbies were like black Barbie. So she got the black happy birthday Barbie and I had the white happy birthday Barbie. And my mom was like, you can't give the little one a present on the on her sister's <laughs> birthday. And it was like this moment of like contention. But then Mary and I, my sister's name is Mary. Mary and I would like play with our matching happy birthday Barbies together and pretend Aww. they were like, that's you know, nice. Yeah. It ended up being like fun. But on the actual day, it was like drama. There's like that drama surrounding Barbies. Um, so, yeah, that was like I think my favorite Barbie was like Western fun Barbie. They had a bunch of like Ooh. cowboy themed Barbies. And yes, mine, mine I remember like, that because that's when Skipper really got into the action. Yeah, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, it was so Juanita, I want to like pivot to the body image issue because that's oh, 100%. So how did Barbie make you, did Barbie make you feel bad about yourself ever? I mean, so, okay, I feel like it was two layers. So the first layer was the straight hair because I'm a curly Mm -hmm. girl, but 
up until ninth grade, I was straightening my hair. I would not wear my curls at all. And it, my mother hated it. And I absolutely pinpoint this back to Barbie because she had her long mm. flowing, you know, little weave situation going, which we know being fed European beauty standards, like <laughs> my little curly self was like, oh, I want that. So I would literally straighten my hair up until like 14. Um, and then with the body image came... Um, I feel like out of all my sisters, I have the smallest cup size. Like, I feel like our <laughs> listeners are learning a lot about me right now. <laughs> but like, you know, as a member of the itty bitty committee, I was just like, wait a second. Wait a second. I don't I, I feel left out. And so as it, it manifested, not only in seeing Barbie's figure, but also as my sisters, who two of whom are younger than me, would get bigger sizes than me. I was <laughs> feeling some kind of way, you know. So I feel like that was absolutely something that came from having that Barbie. Hmm. So do you think that those feelings like how did you overcome them? Like or or have you overcome them? I mean, I. Of course, as an adult, um, I'm probably the only one who can easily wear a tube top and have no problems. Like, like I recognize the benefits now, but also growing into myself and just accepting myself. And that's a lifelong journey. So but I I think um, getting into high school and college and of course, you just go through all this awkwardness. Y'all, I was an ugly duckling till probably 11th grade. I do not believe you. Everybody said that, but I know. I don't believe you. you, Let me paint a picture. I'll tell you. Similar. Go ahead. Okay. So here's my picture. I was the kid who wanted the double striped zebra glasses with the monochromatic hunter green outfits. Like, go check the yearbooks. It's a mess. See, okay. and Juanita, I just dressed like Eddie Vedder most of my uh, middle school and high school careers. So just do with that what you will. Bless. Oh, my God. Okay. What about Ken? Like, Alyssa, what was your mm. relationship? Ken with- had no role in my life. <laughs> yes. Ken yes. had no role in my life. I had no Ken. I wasn't aware he existed. I was just Barbie and her friends. That is all. Into like, it. what was even the point of Ken? He didn't have hair. Oh, yeah. That's, <laughs> that's true. It was, it was like plastic. plastic it was like yes. Lego hair. It was like Lego hair. And so what did I need with him? Barbie didn't need a man. Not in my world. <laughs> Period. Independent woman. Juanita, mm-hmm. how about you? Did you get? Did you have Kens in your house? Okay, I had one Ken, and here's here's where I didn't realize what I was doing. But another item we had was the Barbie Dream bed, and it had like this globe in the middle, and it had like the full the canopy coming down. Yes. So I put Barbie and Ken in this dream bed together and my parents saw it in my room and they're like what's happening what's Ken doing in the bed I was like duh they're sleeping like what else would they be doing and my parents were like oh oh you sweet child (laughs) they're like that was my stay with one leg on the right Ken, Ken ain't got nowhere else to go so like whatever so I didn't even look at it as a relationship between Barbie and Ken they were just homies like you know like he just existed he didn't really play any romantic role in my Barbie's life I mean that's a lot of American marriages if we're being honest oh. uh, <laughs> I I'm al- gagged, gagged. <laughs> I was I was only allowed like one or two Kens at a time which is like weird I, my parents had this weird <laughs> They had like weird what? prudishness. I wanted all of my, I wanted 
like to create a community of my Barbies. And the community <laughs> involved Kens and Barbies, but they were like, I think they thought the too many Kens in my Barbie population would be like too many men in a human population, which I'm not is like mad, though. they're gonna cause wars. They're gonna there's gonna be street violence. There's gonna be guns. You just wanted enough to have a proper hoedown in rural Wisconsin. <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. Dosey do. Exactly. Do you guys remember the pregnant Barbie? Well, it was Midge. No. Okay. No. So I think you guys. I was probably in college by then. Okay. (laughs) So it was like the early '90s, maybe, maybe around 1990. You know, I'm checking this. Yeah, it was Midge. Yeah, we need to look at this. Midge was, or maybe Barbie. One of them was pregnant, and she had a plastic belly, and there was like a a fetus inside of it. It was a baby, but it looked like a fetus. Oh, and it was ultimately discontinued because Walmart said it it complained that the toy promoted teen pregnancy. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, thesun.com. I mean, look, I'm just going to say that um, the the visual of imagining a a full baby inside your body and like looking, that's not going to encourage anybody to be pregnant. No, Pregnant Barbie, just for the record, came out in 2002. So I wasn't in college. I was well out of college. (laughs) Oh, well, maybe there was like a different, maybe I'm thinking about Midge and Alan. Anyway, there was like a Midge and Alan. This definitely says Midge. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Midge, the original Midge. Huh. Got pregnant in 2002. <laughs> Isn't Midge like a slur? Shouldn't that it's not my cat? Be... Yeah, they shouldn't. They shouldn't oh be... <laughs> no! It's okay. It's short for Miriam. Oh, okay. That makes sense. That makes sense. Um, so yeah. So there's like, uh, do you guys remember Earring Magic Ken? Uh, no. no. Okay. This is another controversial. Checking Barbie. him out. Another controversial like... Barbie. <laughs> so in I want to say the early 90s uh, there was an Earring Magic Barbie that came up and actually Margot Robbie kind of did an homage to Earring Magic Barbie's look on the red carpet when she was promoing the Barbie movie before the SAG strike obviously Um, and the Ken doll was wearing uh, like I would say an outfit that I would describe as extremely gay Uh, 1992 1992 is when Earring Magic Ken came out purple fishnet purple fishnet vest yep it's he is he is celebrating pride uh, and uh, he's having a great time doing it. But this was the early 90s. And so people that was like a very marginalized group still. Oh. And so it was uh, there, there were a lot of conservative groups that were like, this Ken is clearly gay. And people were like, <laughs> kids don't know it. Like kids don't know no what. Clue. Yeah, they they don't know. They're just playing with the dolls and cool outfits. Um, and I'm gonna say that Ken's outfit is way more interesting than the average Ken outfit. Period. Hundred percent. And just for the purposes of our conversation, he is now referred to as alternative lifestyle Ken. <laughs> oh. Because <laughs> that's an option. That's a choice. That. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Uh, Juanita, you mentioned you were playing doctors, dentists, and babysitters, and that <laughs> that Barbie gave you the idea, like, kind of instilled in you and your sisters this idea that girls and women can do things. And Margot Robbie, actually, in yeah. her her Vogue cover when she was promoting the Barbie movie, said something similar. Like, you know, Barbie came out when women couldn't get their own. Credit cards, you know, and and Barbie bank accounts. All yeah, that. and Barbie's going to space. Barbie's doing all these things. Do you think that girls growing up seeing that Barbie could be all these things internalized the idea that they could also be more than what society was allowing them to be? 
I mean, especially if you were coming up in the 90s, yeah, anything was possible, right? Like, I think Barbie today represents something very different uh, than when I was introduced to her because I, I literally remember the wardrobe of a lab coat paired with the astronaut's uniform paired with, you know, just like, a bikini because, of course, we have range and we can be that beach babe too, <laughs> right? Like, and it just, it was just like, choose your own adventure, which is something I loved. Like, I, in Tennessee, I knew I was different. Everybody reminded me constantly I was different. I didn't care. And knowing that I could literally choose my own life path is something that helped me transition, helped me move forward in my life in a way that was different from a lot of people that I knew growing up, right? And so, I think that is something that inst was instilled in me and my siblings. But I look at my 16-year-old niece today and I'm like, she probably has never had a Barbie. Like, the closest she's probably mm -hmm. come to Barbie is seeing, like, the collectibles my mom has. Like, she'll pull out around Christmas time in those big Christmas ball gowns, right? Like, that's about yeah. it. Because... <laughs> mm -hmm. My 16-year-old niece is, doesn't need that right now. Like, she knows through the strong women who are helping to raise her and the family around her that she can do anything. So, absolutely, I think it had a huge impact for me and other girls growing up in the 90s. But today, I'm sure the kids are like, we're good. <laughs> we don't need that. And so, I'll be interested to see once the movie, you know, gets ticket sales and numbers in, like, what are the demographics going to see this? Is it just for, you know, 30-somethings, 40-somethings? things who are feeling nostalgic or is this like the young people gen z and younger are actually engaging mm -hmm. i can tell you that the group i'm going to see barbie with on monday we are we represent all of the all of the gen z gen x got some boomers plus yes it is a whole is intergenerational <laughs> yes well I'm so, into it. so like just to juanita you mentioned that you're not sure what role barbie has now, you know, because back in the day, Barbie showed little girls like, yeah, you can be a, a, you know, hula girl astronaut, president of the United States, journalist, veterinarian, whatever, you know. Yeah. Um, what role could Barbie play to be relevant today? Like, what would she have to do in order to be pushing things forward? I feel like something around just basic identity, whether that's gender identity or multi-ethnic identity is key here. Like, bring me a non-binary doll. Like, let me see what that looks like. Because I feel like that is something that younger people who are exploring their sexuality or transitioning or as trans individuals could find value in, right? Like, what is the value proposition today? What is that new thing that you're showing is safe to imagine? Because that's the premise here, right? Mm -hmm. It's safe to imagine being an astronaut if you're a kid in the 80s or 90s, right? So what is the new thing that we're introducing that it's safe to be? And looking, let's be real, across this country, the attacks on LGBTQ individuals, that could be a clear lane mm -hmm. that a company like Mattel steps into in terms of, teaching some type of affirming framework through the um, reimagining of Barbie. Mm -hmm. And I think also, you know, a lot of kids, especially when they're little, if they're growing up in maybe more conservative environments, they are not necessarily exposed to people who mm -hmm. are non-binary or LGBTQ. So even if these kids are going to grow up, you know, cis, straight kids getting married, I feel right. like having 
a non-binary doll or a doll that exposes them to a different type of gender expression will prepare them to, like, live in reality. Like, this is reality. You're going to be around these people. (laughs) Like, you know, even if you are not a member of these groups, you're going to be around people who are different from you. And that's fine. And you can play with them just like your dolls all play with each other. Like, that's fine. You can all be That's why I was down with your little sister liking all the black dolls. Like, come on. You know, like, I'm sure there was limited exposure in Wisconsin where you grow. So it's like, okay. Yeah. Well, now she's she's a she's an ESL teacher and she teaches like mostly kids that are refugee children who are middle schoolers. So she's like really in her career. She's like gone out of her way to to help people who who come from a different background. So that's cool. I mean, who's to say what's the is there a black Barbie to helping refugee kids pipeline? I hope so, because that'd be cool. Boom. Make it. (laughs) (laughs) Let's see. Let's see abortion provider Barbie. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Under the same frame. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> is she is she going to have a little telemedicine computer and like two pills that are like safer than aspirin? She does. She also only travels with lawyer Barbie. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> right. Uh, uh, lawyer Barbie and possibly bodyguard Barbie. Bodyguard. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, okay. So uh Juanita, when are you gonna see the movie? Do you have plans? Um, so my plan is to see the movie this weekend. Um, and I, you know, I live in the DMV area, so I'll probably go to one of the theaters with reclining seats and adult beverages. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you got to, you got to. Um, I'm, I like, okay. There's an Alamo Draft House in LA, which is like they serve you food and drinks. And I stuff. love an I Alamo. I love this. Yeah. yeah. What? And uh, so if I'm gonna go see a movie, first of all, it's like hard because I've got a little, I've got a little kid. And we don't have any family around to just be like, hey, grandma, you want to mm. take the kid or whatever. <laughs> um, so I uh, am going to go solo just to have alone time. That is like just at a premium when you have Joy. a child. Yes. Nobody trying to talk to me. Just. <laughs> My dream, my dream. It's like the sweetest sound in the world is my little girl going, mama, 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 mama. That's sweet, but also the most annoying sound in the world after it's, it's been going It's giving Stewie, mom, mommy, yes. mother, mom. <laughs> <laughs> That's real. That's real. So I'm going to go to uh, Alamo Drafthouse and see it. And when I went to buy a ticket, I was like, I'm just going to buy a single ticket. At some point over the weekend should be easy peasy. I can get a good seat. Single ticket, right? Almost like half of them were sold out, and the ones that weren't oh. sold out only had like a couple seats in the very front row. So I'm going to be so your sitting hands like this. I know. <laughs> I'm going to be seeing Barbie's boobs, huger than anybody <laughs> has ever seen Barbie's boobs. And uh, I- I'm glad that I'm at a point where I'm I'm comfortable with my own body. Uh, right. that, that I don't have to be like Margot Robbie, just that huge on screen in front of me, and that perfect, and that entire cast of just. Beautiful, perfect people. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that my self-esteem can withstand it. But uh, adult <laughs> beverages will help. Okay, let's take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to talk Sanity Corner slash I Feel Petty. And welcome back. You're listening to Hysteria, a podcast for fans of Earring Magic Ken. Before we get to... (laughs) 
I mean, okay, I wish I wish that our listeners could have heard the little break and the way that we were talking about Earring Magic Ken. Available on eBay, available on yes. Etsy, available to be subject of your 2023 Halloween costume. And Prime. perhaps Prime. should Fully be. wearable outfit. Get the fishnet, get the vest, get it going. You, I, I feel <laughs> as though you've got enough lead time. Uh, and it it would be phenomenal. It would be phenomenal. Okay, so uh, before we get to Sanity Corner slash I Feel Petty, some announcements for the class. Alyssa, have you ever encountered a piece of media that you feel reads you to filth? That you're like, wow, uh, sure. this yeah. not only gets me, but is actually absolutely shredding me. And I am participating in it willingly. Okay, so for me, <laughs> that is Crooked's new exclusive to subscription show, Terminally <laughs> Online. Um, I joined the show last week to chat with John Favreau and Hysteria's very own Caroline Reston and fellow Crooked producer Elijah Cohn and Alyssa. Yeah. The extent to which I realized the longer I talked on the show, I had a great time. It was great. The longer I was on, the more I'm like, I am so of and by and for the internet that I should be taken out and like reprogrammed. I mean- Aaron, I get it. I've watched the Terminally Online and it. I have to sometimes look away because I'm like, oh, do you mean that when I shift from work online to getting into bed early so I can scroll things I may or may not buy after I've had an edible online or like yeah. something I should address? Yeah. Like this week I was getting really into this like micro like pile on about a woman who wanted a work accommodation for having time blindness, quote unquote. What is what just is being time late blindness? all the time? She was treating oh, like being late all the time. Anyway, girl. why? But why is this something that I'm thinking about at all, at all? Anyway, Terminally you know. Online is great for because it's for people like me, and I suspect a lot of other people who are digital natives or who are at least like people who go on digital safaris sometimes. Um, We got, this last week, we got to the bottom of the polemic farting, and that was a legit phrase used in a... That was a stressful article. That was a stressful ongoing situation. It was on a the stressful situation, but the phrase polemic farting was printed in an American newspaper. Um, and that was in <laughs> reference to an, something that happened at an RFK Jr. campaign event. We also got to talk about Mark Zuckerberg's glow up, unfortunately. And mm-hmm. we talked about proper plane etiquette, which is always going to get people fired up because flying is inhumane. Um, but yes, the only way you can now. oh, it's it's gotten worse and worse. Like why? Why are we? We need trains. We Mayor need Pete, trains. Mayor Secretary Pete, fucking build us the trains. We just want. Aaron, we said it before. I just want to meet you in St. Louis. You know, on a train, <laughs> the know. two of us, I just know. under the arches in Winslow, Arizona. There's a little there's a train hotel from like 1930 because there used to be little like whistle stop hotels yeah. with Amtrak stations or like train stations connected to it, and it is charming as hell. And I've stayed there a couple times, and it's wonderful, and I just want to bring that back. I want to bring back traversing the country by train and staying in charming hotels. We're going to do it one episode at a time here. Yes, but in order to do that, we will have to get offline. (laughs) (laughs) The only way you can listen to Terminally Online is if you head to crooked.com slash friends and subscribe to Friends of the Pod today. Okay, here we go. Alyssa, Sanity Corner, or I Feel Petty. Erin, I'm going with Petty, and it is another one of my uh, my. Please for help from our listeners who always have great ideas. Guys, we have a spongy moth, formerly known as gypsy moths, a spongy moth caterpillar uh, infestation here Yikes. in many parts of the Northeast. Oof. It is 
disgusting. And Aaron, you and I talk on the show, in our ads, about our love of gardening, the things that we are trying to cultivate. These are an enemy of that state, okay? They eat everything. There are parts of the Taconic State Parkway over here that look like nuclear winter because these caterpillars have eaten everything off of the trees. And if your tree is like, I don't know, a little tentative after three summers of drought and maybe not in the best health, these can kill it. And so anyway, I asked my dad, I was like, Pop, how do I deal with these? He's like, well, you know what your grandpa used to do? Blowtorch. I was like, that's not for me. Um, <laughs> not that I wouldn't enjoy it. Doesn't they, fire also kill trees? I feel like fire well, and trees aren't apparently, <laughs> apparently, if you're armed with a hose, you can just take the torch to where they've laid their eggs and go to town. <laughs> now, okay. listen, in the same way that I know I'm someone who shouldn't try to fry a turkey outside, I'm also not going to try and torch the eggs off no, my trees. Okay, I know myself. So I am asking, I have heard about things with duct tape and Vaseline that you can do with your trees. But our listeners come from the best places, uh, both uh, geographically and in their hearts. So please, if you know of ways to control the species, please, please DM me, tweet at me, thread me. I don't know if that's what we say. Does uh, anything send it to eat our them? email. Does anything Nothing. eat them? Uh, white, white-footed mice. White-footed mice. Apparently, can okay. Do some I feel damage. like that just ups the ante on things you don't want around your home. It's though. it's <laughs> really exactly Juanita. Okay. So anyway, any and all suggestions are welcome. No bad ideas unless they involve a blowtorch, uh, which is apparently <laughs> the mastermonica way of dealing with pests. So please, please, listeners, help a sister out. Okay. Okay. I mean, could we engineer a bird that's migratory that just kind of comes in, eats all the moths? Anything. Anything. You guys, I have bunnies in my front yard. I got wild turkeys. I have everything you could imagine. Nothing is attacking these things. Can we feed them something that makes them smell awesome to like, like crows or vultures? This is what we are asking the scientist Barbies out there. Please, please come through. Come through for me. Aaron, I love how you brought it back to your favorite crows. Like, yes. You think they're the most of crows. You're like, they smell you do. everything. They You're have like, funerals for each other, guys. You they, are they their funerals. leader. Crows so, have funerals for each other. Crows and elephants and people have funerals for each other. I'm sure some okay. like sea creatures too. Um, maybe orcas. I don't well. know. Maybe they're too busy attacking the ships. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so hopefully we can, let's 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 get those caterpillars out of Alyssa's. Thank you plants as hard as we can. Um, Okay, I've got something that is a little bit less wholesome, but nonetheless is uh, both a sanity corner and I feel petty. There is a apparently a rivalry between Marjorie Taylor Greene and Lauren Boebert. Is it sponsored by the WWE? I mean, I don't know because Lauren Boebert's dad is allegedly a, well, Lauren Boebert thinks her dad is a former professional wrestler who took a paternity test and it was negative. But then her and her mom. Literally did not know that. Then her, yes. And then her and her mom online bullied the, it's crazy, guys. What is this telenovela? What? (laughs) It is crazy. Lauren Boebert grew up without a, without a dad. And her mom told her that her dad was this professional wrestler that was, like, passing through town. And the professional wrestler took a paternity test. It was negative. There's some (laughs) controversy. This is, like, also part of my sanity corner because it's a crazy story. 
Um, it was negative. There's controversy around whether or not the sample was tampered with. So, you know, I don't want to, I can't say for sure, whatever. I don't know, nor do I want to talk about this wrestler's spooge. Um, but (laughs) she and her mom like harassed, like, like online bullied this wrestler about being her. It's super weird. Anyway, the aristocrats, uh, aristocrats, 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 the aristocrats, um, Okay, Marjorie Taylor Greene and Lauren Boebert are in a rivalry. Uh, it's it's a shame. Hashtag let them fight. Um, they yelled at each <laughs> other on and off. That They've yelled at each other on and off the house floor. Um, Marjorie Taylor Greene once called Lauren Boebert a little bitch to her face. Yes, uh, I remember which, this moment. Which tracks. Uh, this is very unserious. All of this is very unserious, which is why I'm talking about it and I feel petty. Um, I like it. I like it. I think it's great. I want them to fight. I want there to be fisticuffs on the house floor. Let's bring back, <laughs> let's bring back cane fights. You know, like remember in Congress how there what? there was like a guy who hit another guy with his cane. Let's bring back dueling. I feel like we can open up dueling to the ladies if they're going to be challenging each other to fights. Like let's bring it back. Let's let them Hamilton each other if they want to. Um, yeah, people who are members of the House of Representatives have said on the record that they believe, quote, a fist fight could break out at any moment between the two women, which is Mm-mm-mm. wild. I mean, I'll just be in the background, fight, fight, yeah. fight, fight. Like, you know, I'm that kid, so. I mean, I think that, like, on one hand, it is sad that these are elected officials that are drawing a salary and health benefits out of the pool of tax money that people right. are contributing. Uh, but on the other hand, I feel like they've really, you know, l- low class going to low class, and they're mm-hmm. they're gonna they're they're two low class p- people who like attention and don't get along, and I think that's just what's going to happen. Also, one of the symptoms of lead poisoning is aggression. <laughs> Um, all of this translates to they just don't know any better they don't they do know they do know they don't want to know any better they can't help exactly right they can't help it i mean they can't do better they can't i mean you know but i I gotta say i hope that lauren bobart does take care of herself she's about to be a grandma and she shouldn't um you know grandma shouldn't be fighting (laughs) (laughs) they shouldn't be doing fisticuffs like Learn to knit or something, or or, or do, do something. Some, do something. Make jam. Make jam. Learn learn a grandma we talked skill. About, we talked about grandparents ignoring boundaries. What boundaries <laughs> is she gonna cross with this child? <laughs> oh man, would not want Lauren Bobert to be my grandma. Um, <laughs> what can you imagine? Just terrible. Just how embarrassing for everybody in that whole family. Um, okay, so that's my sanity corner slash I feel petty. I, I wish for fisticuffs. I want them to fight. I think they should <laughs> They should do it. Okay, Juanita, you're our guest. Bring us home. Sanity corner or I feel petty. All right, I'm going full on sanity corner with a theme of unbridled black girl joy with the duo who is all over social media running through my timeline pretty much every day flying a boss like if you don't know who i'm talking about you've clearly not been on any platforms for the past 90 days but (laughs) this duo has a hit song called you wish and they're running through grocery stores they're running through disneyland there i see Alyssa typing into google right now yes keeping it 100 (laughs) you know i am i'm like what is this how am i not aware how fucking white am i jesus what am i missing you you've you've seen i bet you've seen them so their music is i've seen them i've seen them them. there you go i feel better i feel better (laughs) 
And their lyrics are so infectious to the point that even my husband walks around the house singing the song, even though I'm pretty sure he doesn't know what Kinecolon is. Okay, <laughs> listeners, it's, it's weave, it's synthetic hair. Okay, everybody. <laughs> but beyond their music being an entire summer vibe, these girls are trained musicians. Like they're trained in, I think, three or four different instruments. They're musical icons run from Missy Elliott to Outkast to Ella Fitzgerald to Sarah Vaughn. Like they are just a vibe and I can't wait to see what they do next. Please vibe out to their music. Run immediately to go listen to it like Alyssa did to confirm that you've seen them. (laughs) Well, that is a great upbeat note to end. A great upbeat, mostly upbeat episode on uh, Juanita. Thank you so much for joining us. You got to come back again. This is so much fun. It is a vibe. Truly a delight. A joy. Truly a delight. It is a vibe, a delight, a joy. Alyssa Mastromonaco, thank you for being my ride or die this week and every week. Listeners, thank you so much for listening, supporting us. I actually found out from a friend in Ohio that you guys were talking about us on your company Slack. And my friend was like, hey, that's my friend's show. It was like kind of (laughs) cool. So, yeah, talk about us on your company Slack. You know, go vote early if you're living in Ohio and uh, stick around because there will be more hysteria for you next week. Hysteria is a Crooked Media production. Caroline Reston is our senior producer. Our executive producer is me, Aaron Ryan. And Alyssa Mastromonaco is our co-producer. Fiona Pestana is our associate producer. The show is engineered and edited by Jordan Cantor. Our video producers are Rachel Gajewski and Megan Patzel. And thank you to Julia Beach, Ewa Okulate, Amelia Montooth, Adia Hill, and David Tolls for production support every week. Don't forget to follow us at Crooked Media on Instagram and Twitter for more original content, host takeovers, and other community events. 